Hey, how you going? My name is Ellie Angel Mobs, the host of this little podcast we like to call Living with Endo. The A to Z of endometriosis, proudly made in conjunction with the amazing team at Endometriosis Australia. And last week, we did celebrate our first birthday, a year of creating these podcasts. And thank you so much to everyone who did send through lovely messages on Facebook and on Instagram, overwhelmed by your response. And I'm so glad that so many endo warriors are learning from listening to these episodes. And that was exactly why I have created them. Um, you can listen to all of them if you are yet to. And make sure you subscribe as well so that way you can always catch up on every single episode that is going to be coming in the future because we've got lots of exciting stuff planned. So in this episode, we will be catching up with Ruth Schubert. Now, she is a pelvic physio and a clinical advisor for the Endometriosis Australia team. We've had Ruth on a podcast previously where she spoke about the benefits of pelvic physio and endometriosis. But in this episode, we're really going to be touching on a subject which... You know, it's something that I've had conversations with girlfriends and it's that awkward one around pain, endometriosis and getting intimate with your partner. She really has got some incredible advice to share with you right now in this episode of Living with Endo, the A to Z of endometriosis. It is Ruth Schubert. Hi, Ellie. How are you? Thanks for having me. Now, we previously spoke on an episode around pelvic physiotherapy and how endo warriors can benefit from going and doing that. I'm sure so many people learnt from that chat and hopefully were able to book an appointment with their pelvic physio and get the benefits from that. Yes. Yep. Very, uh, can be a really helpful part of your team when you're suffering from endo pelvic physio, for sure. And wanted to get you on for this chat because there often is, well, it's like the a lot of endo warriors do suffer in silence in general, but then there is the conversation around intercourse and pain during sex. And we're going to be talking about this topic today because I think it's really important. Not only does it affect the endo warriors who go through the pain, but it also can affect relationships. I know friends who have lost relationships because of it. So we're going to really strip this down and have a good chat about it. Yeah, and I think definitely what we see clinically is it's the one thing that people feel so relieved to be able to talk about Mm. with their clinician because it's not something you can chat about at the barbecue. It's not like a sore back or a sore ankle. It's something that you really do suffer in silence. And a lot of uh, people feel like they're the only ones suffering from this condition. And we know it's very common, and particularly with endometriosis, it's common. So if we, you know, have an open discussion about it, it it might help a lot of people feel more confident to do the same with their healthcare Mm. providers. So technically, what's the term for painful sex? Well, there you've just opened a can of worms, Ellie, because <laughs> there's lots of terms. And a lot of endo sufferers might actually have a report from their specialist, which has so many different terms on it. So the, the most basic thing, the symptom of painful or difficult intercourse, we call dyspareunia, which is a bit of a tricky word to say. So dyspareunia means pain or difficulty with intercourse. And we could say superficial dyspareunia, which means it's more at the entrance. So a real symptom of that would be quite stingy, burny, tight, soreness at the entrance. Or deep dyspareunia, which we know is is quite common in endo. Um, Some studies say 50%, some say a bit more. Deep dyspareunia would be more of a deep kind of thudding, can be sharp, but higher, what you'd imagine higher up near your cervix, higher in the vagina. So the first term we can talk about is dyspareunia, either entrance or deep. 
But then some other really common terms are vaginismus uh, or vulvodynia or vestibulodynia. Um, and those were the terms, they've since been rebranded a bit more under one term. But if I break them down, if someone's got those on a report, the vulva is the external genital region, which kind of encompasses the outer lips, the inner lips, the entrance to the vagina and the clitoris. So dynia just means pain. So vulva dynia means pain somewhere in the vulva. Vestibulodynia, the vestibule, is more the entrance of the vagina. So when you hear the term vestibulodynia, it means pain that's more at the entrance. So kind of superficial dyspareunia and vulvodynia and uh, vestibulodynia could be kind of classed under one branch. So that's where it gets quite confusing. Wow. And so because it, yeah, because it was so confusing, I think that the new most people are starting to group it under one thing called genitopelvic pain or penetration disorder. So I guess the tricky thing comes for our uh, for the endo sufferers is on their report or their doctor might be using one term and someone else's doctor might be using another. And as a clinician looking through the research, one paper might be researching vaginismus and the other might be researching genitopelvic pain or penetration disorder. So it's a, it's a little bit tricky, the terminology around painful intercourse. Well, some of them sound like exotic islands and really nice places you'd love to go <laughs> on a holiday and others just sound awful. I know the, the vaginismus one I've seen on uh, cubicle doors. Um, and they were obviously yes. advertising yep. for certain treatments around that. So why is yeah. it that lots of endo warriors will actually suffer from this kind of pain? Good question. I'll just jump back a bit because I don't think I describe um, vaginismus. Okay. The actual, yes, that's the one we've vaginismus. seen on the toilet door. <laughs> yes, the one you've seen on the toilet door. Vaginismus um, technically means spasm of the distal muscles in the vagina. So in that kind of first three centimetres of the vagina, the muscle spasm and it makes penetration very difficult um, and it's also very painful. And so vaginismus uh, is a term that we could use. A lot of our endo sufferers may not be sexually active yet, um, but they're using tampons and it's quite painful or difficult to use a tampon. So definitely we could describe uh, vaginismus as difficulty using tampons as well. Um, and another point on that, I guess, is Lots of our sufferers may not be sexually active yet, but they're getting to the point where maybe they're thinking about it. Mm. And, you know, a lot of people are already worried. They know tampons are difficult. So if they have a male partner, then potentially they're worried about what that's going to be like. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. And, yeah. you know, that then just adds to the many layers that endometriosis already contributes to your mind. So then you're thinking about that and then you're probably fearing to go into a relationship and, oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Beautifully summed up, it becomes a vicious cycle. Um, but when we when we talk about the causes, of course, with endo, it's never simple. So it can, of course, be the endo itself. And, and a typical presentation of that would be um, deep sexual pain or deep dyspareunia. And someone has surgery and they go, oh, geez, my sexual pain is better. So we know endo, of course, can cause inflammation. And a common spot for endometriosis lesions can be in the pouch of Douglas, which a lot of people might have read that on their report, is at the back of the vagina up behind the cervix. Yep. So it can be the endo itself. Um, and we know for some people endo um, causes adhesions and things don't move around as freely. So definitely endo can be a cause. Um, but it's, not, it's usually not the only thing that's happening. And sometimes it's not a big factor in the cause at all. Um, and then the next layer we need to think about is the nervous system. And you summed that up really nicely is if it has been painful in the past, 
your brain is already anticipating the next time it's going to be painful Mm. and the nervous system gets on higher and higher alert the more times it is painful. So we start to get this sensitization of the nervous system. Um, And then the third layer, of course, can be the muscles of the pelvic floor, particularly in vaginismus. We know we get this involuntary contraction of the muscles. And so we then start to look at what the muscles are doing and how we can change what's happening at the muscular layer. So there are three components. There's other things as well, but they're three of the major things that could be causing the pain. Wow, it is such a complicated beast when you break it down into those three different layers and hear it. Yeah, yeah. And it's hard to tell initially um what what could be you know it could be the endo is 70 percent for you and the muscles are 20 percent and 10 percent and someone could be the opposite but as a pelvic physio I'm obviously really biased to think well the muscles are probably the least invasive treatment option um and it's a good place to start Uh, and that's where your pelvic physio can be really helpful and and gynecologists are great now at saying look I think there's a muscular component to this and starting to refer on to physio Mm. as a treatment sexual pain. Yes, I went to my gynae recently and um, he did an examination and described it like a brick house. I thought, oh, that's beautiful. Mm. That's really nice. <laughs> a lovely way for you to describe things. And well, yes, I need a to book in. Yes. I need to book in to yeah. see my pelvic physio because yeah. you, know, you really yeah. can benefit from it as well. And you don't want to be going through your life where you've got that anxiety building up towards, um, you know, being with your partner and, you know, you want to get intimate with them, but at the same time, you're like, oh, it's going to hurt. I don't want to do it. And it's, as you mentioned, it's that nervous system response of, I don't want to go through this, but I don't want to disappoint my partner. So there's so many variables around it. And I think um, a really important thing for people to understand is it's not just as simple as just relax, just relax and it'll get better. That doesn't work that way because our brains and our bodies are just the most amazing things and they're designed to protect us from things that are painful and uncomfortable. So if every time I've had intercourse before it's painful, it's like saying, oh, every time I walk past Ruth, she's going to punch me in the stomach. Of course I'm going to start pretensing because my brain's amazing and it's trying to protect me. So I think sometimes uh, people, endo sufferers, have been told, oh, you know, have a glass of wine and relax, and we absolutely know that it does not work that way. Uh, so getting uh, maybe a bit better advice if someone tells you that is the next step for sure. I think as well for endo warriors to actually start that conversation with a GP and it is an awkward thing to mention, hey, having sex is painful because they don't teach you that at school. You know, they teach you that, you know, getting intimate is a a beautiful experience and, you know, hopefully you have a child afterwards, but it's not always the case. It's not always the case. And, And as I said, 50 or maybe more percentage of women with endo have pain with intercourse and just in the general population, you know, some of the studies would say one in eight, sometimes one in five women would have pain with intercourse. So 20% of women. So what we see portrayed in the media is certainly not the experience for lots of people in the community. And I think a really reassuring thing that I see in the clinic is when someone starts uh, bringing it up, you know, they're very nervous to bring it up. And then we go, all right, so is it pain like this? Is this the situation? And they're like, oh, my goodness, I feel free. I can talk about this because they've obviously heard it before. Mm. And I really reassure you that we have heard it before. It's a really common symptom and a really treatable symptom. Is there any way, uh, because there may be patients who can't get to see their pelvic physio, we could have a conversation over the phone um, to see whether or not you can try and diagnose it or do you need to do a face-to-face consult? 
Look, the I the, the best practice is definitely going to be an internal examination because then we will know for sure what we're suspicious of. But there's certainly things in someone's history that we can be pretty confident that the muscles are going to be part of it. So definitely that kind of pain with the initial penetration, pain to use tampons, um, and you know pain around the anus. Sometimes a sharp, but you quite uh, often in endo people will get sharp pains around the anus, like a spasm. Mm. So there's lots of signs and symptoms in history. We could probably have a pretty well-educated, not guess, but a well-educated diagnosis with. The gold standard would be an examination to see where to start your treatment. But certainly, you know, with the way things are with COVID, uh, do not just suffer in silence. Mm -hmm. Telehealth or phone calls are way better than just doing nothing. Um, and there's lots of things we can start with before you, you physically see someone. And the Endometriosis Australia website as well has got so many blogs that you've contributed to, Ruth, in the past, just explaining the benefits of pelvic physio and how it can help. Yeah, that's right. And we are hopefully now starting to get a little bit more research on the treatment effects. But I think if we think of endo, um, you know, of course we think of the lesions, but it really is an experience and it, and it's so layered. And we have the lesions can obviously start to cause these upflow effects. So how we think and feel and anxiety and depression around our symptoms, we know that can happen. But it certainly can have these downflow effects in that the muscles of the pelvis and hips and spine can start to get on high alert, the muscles and the nerves, and get really sensitive. And so we can definitely work on both of those things uh, to improve people's situation. So, Ruth, in a physio session, what kind of things could we benefit from? The first thing I think really importantly is education, understanding what could be happening because when we understand things, we can change them much easier. So there's a lot of talking early on and just having someone listen to your story I think is is treatment in itself because a lot of times endo sufferers don't get listened to really well. So I think listening and education would definitely be the first part of your, your session. Um, and then it just depends on what the symptoms are and where you start from. Some people start with really tight muscles, can't use a tampon, can't insert a finger into the vagina, whereas other people might be actually fine at the time of penetration. It's afterwards that they're getting their pain, which is not uncommon with endo. You get pain in the hours after intercourse. Um, But, you know, one of the main things we're trying to do uh, from a physio perspective, we're really thinking about uh, the muscles and the nerves and the nervous system is kind of doing this graded exposure approach to things that don't hurt so much. So I think one of the things that patients sometimes or um, endo sufferers can think is, well, if it's just too tight, if I stretch it really hard, it will get better. But actually, the way to make the nervous system feel calmer and the muscles feel calmer is probably to show it that it doesn't have to hurt so much. So actually grading yourself up to intercourse with things like dilators, with things like gentle stretches with your physio, um, breath work, visualising, graded motor imagery, those kind of things I think are the best way to move forward rather than trying to push really hard to make something more flexible. Mm, Absolutely, because, you know, you don't want to push yourself and then do more harm exactly or just make yourself sore because with endo sufferers usually you've got enough pain you don't need to be adding so some of the things 
you might do are not fun and no one wants to have to do them, (laughs) but they shouldn't be incredibly painful and causing lots of pain afterwards. So we're just trying to find that right level where we're changing the nervous system, changing the tissues without causing too much pain. And I think that's where the the help of a skilled physio can really help you progress uh, along that pathway. Um, we can also use lots of, so for example, some people might not be ready for the internal stuff yet, and that is totally fine. There's lots of things we can think about with your external body that might help us calm down the pelvic floor muscles and nerves. So we generally do a lot of stretching, mobility, and sometimes strengthening around the hips, pelvis, spine, um, improving the flexibility of the muscles and the nervous system in those areas because some of the pelvic wall muscles actually come out from inside our pelvis and join onto our hips. So we work a lot through the external hips to help us improve um, the tension and the the tightness of the internal pelvis as well. So would you recommend, as I sit here, I'm thinking, wow, my hip muscles are extremely tight and I've got no flexibility um, in that area. So, you know, just trying to get that part of the body moving could be something that endo-worries could benefit from. Definitely. And it's a great place to start um, because we know if your hips feel really tight, yes, it could be the muscles and it could be the joints, but it also could be the nervous system feeling quite sensitive and tight as well. And so your physio, you know, and there's some great yoga um, tutorials on the on the internet for pelvic pain, which we'll talk about mobilizing the muscles maybe, but also getting the nervous system to move through different ranges. Um, and I think that's a really great place to start uh, the whole process for sure. Okay. So I'm going to go home and I'm going to listen to like Shakira, hips don't lie and whenever, wherever. And I'm going to try and loosen my hip muscles and get things moving. Definitely get things moving. And so the other thing I just wanted to point out about hips is usually if you're having intercourse, your hips are in certain positions. They're not just with your legs straight. So having mobility in hips can definitely make things feel more relaxed as well. Um, Mindfulness, when we move on to mindfulness is Uh, being there's lots of different ways we work on mindfulness with our patients Um, but sometimes you know a simple example might be the anticipation of pain is sometimes not as bad as the actual pain and being able to recognize okay what am I feeling right now what's this sensation like we might actually find it's not as bad as we were anticipating it would be Um, but also feeling like when we when we have really good conscious control of the muscles so when we're in the moment and we feel like okay well that's what tightening is and that's what relaxing is maybe we start to gain better control in those moments of being able to be a bit more relaxed because quite often what can happen is there's some penetration either with a tampon or a penis and it's and it's uncomfortable so the the body's response is tighten everything and spasm around it But if we have better control, conscious control, being able to say, okay, can I relax in that situation? Actually, the pain is less. And so you've done one simple thing and already your pain with intercourse is is a fair bit better. I'm sure there's some interesting things on YouTube as well around mindfulness to help train the brain to to visualise that. Is that that right? Absolutely. And there's some great apps, maybe not specific to sexual pain, but, you know, there's apps, uh, they've done some research with, Um, dilator use because dilators are something um, dilators are kind of penis shaped things that come in graded sizes so 
sometimes made of plastic, sometimes made of silicon. So if you had a partner of a certain size and that was uncomfortable and too big, we might start with some sizes smaller than that and grade up. Um, and there's some research around people doing a little bit of work on Happify or, you know, similar apps where they do some mindfulness work first and then use their dilators. And it seems to be quite effective in improving the condition of their pelvic floor. Now, what about Kegels? Um, this has been brought up at uh, lunches with my girlfriends from time to time. You know, some of them have mentioned, hey, I've been doing my Kegel exercises. Is that something we, we should be doing? Well, Kegels, the, the, the term Kegels is really, most people think of it about strengthening the pelvic floor. So I tighten the muscles, I hold, like I'm holding in wind, holding in wee and lifting. Mm. And it's a real strength-based thing, strengthen, strengthen, strengthen. Quite often in um, pelvic pain and endometriosis, if we think the muscles are a bit tight, what we want to get better at is maybe not the on part, but the off part. So quite often your physio will get you to do pelvic floor exercises, but the focus isn't going to be on the hold in wind and wee and lift up. It's going to be, okay, now drop that down, soften, open, let go. So we do do pelvic floor exercises, but the focus is usually the opposite, actually having better um, control of the letting go phase. Okay. Let it go. I'm seeing a lot of themes with songs and Frozen. (laughs) Correct. Let it go. That's a good theme song for this this uh, podcast. Now, what about after surgery? Um, I'm looking back on when I've had mine and then I remember just the anxiety building over getting intimate. Um, is there a time period you should wait before you get physical with your partner after having a laparoscopy? Everyone's going to be different there and it, it's really going to depend on how much work your surgeon has done because Um, I think lots of people have had the experience where they might get told, oh, you know, a week or two and you'll go back to work and then, you know, a couple of weeks after that, you'll be feeling pretty good. For lots of people, it is six weeks of feeling pretty crap. Uh, You might be able to attest to that as uh, an endo sufferer, Ellie. Mm. So it depends on how your body responds. If you settle down quite quickly, it's obviously might be sooner. Uh, If you've taken longer, then be kind to yourself and give yourself longer. And there's there's things we can do. The ideal scenario is that first experience is not bad. Um, so sometimes for some people that's waiting a bit longer because they're still really bloated and still quite sore anyway. Um, for some people, we can. there's things, the little buffering type devices. If anyone is interested, looking up the Onet, the Onut on Instagram, it's a really great um, it's a little silicon ring. And, you know, for understanding partners who, who don't want to see you in pain, they actually wear it and it reduces the depth of penetration that can happen. And it can be really relieving for someone who's really nervous about what that deep pain might be like to know that they can't get deep enough to hit those spots. So the Onut is a wonderful device, in my opinion, um, designed by a young girl in the States who always had pelvic pain with intercourse and it's, it's a penetration buffer. So that's always a really good post-op uh, option as well for you guys to make sure that the first experience is the best it's going to be. Wow, I've never heard of it before. That sounds like a, oh, a genius invention. Yeah, so there's lots of little techniques in physio and, you know, it was sexual health counselling as well. There's lots of things that are available to endo sufferers. It's just that they're not always widely known. Um, so finding a great practitioner, there, there is so many little things that we can work on and do, even talking about positions and, the, you know, that first that first time ways we could make it more comfortable given your particular anatomy or your particular surgery. 
No question seems to be uh, off limits when it comes to your pelvic physio. I'm sure that you're sitting there going, I'm not sure about asking this question, but seriously, I'm sure that they've heard it all. We've heard it all and we really, we want, the, the what all your practitioners should want is that you have a great life and get to do all the things you want to do. And our sexual life is no different to that. You know, everyone's sexual libido, desires is different, but we want you to be able to have the relationship and the life that you want. So I don't understand why it would be off limits. You know, we want to, we want to really help people have a great life. So nothing is off limits. We've right. definitely heard it before. Well, Ruth Schubert, thank you so much for talking things through when it comes to endo and pain and intercourse. There's some really great information as well on the Endometriosis Australia website with all of the blogs that you've contributed to. And if anyone does want to find a pelvic physio in their area, is there is there a website we can go to? Do we talk to our GPs and our specialists? What's the best plan? Absolutely. So I think for this kind of physio, um, word of mouth, if you've got a friend in the endo community that lives close to you and they've seen someone and they really got on well with them, that's a great, a recommendation is a really great way to start. Um, But the APA, the Australian Physiotherapy Association, has a great website as well called Find a Physio. And you can hit the drop down box women's um women's and men's pelvic health so if you can you can search under that function to see by postcode and speciality who's in your area i think um my my advice would be if you meet someone and it just wasn't a great mix don't give up because there'll be someone out there that you align really nicely with and that will be able to help you for sure and if you happen to be in the byron bay area pop in and see ruth because that's where you're based come and see Yeah, absolutely. Come and see me. It's one of my favourite things to treat endometriosis in general, but definitely um, pain with intercourse because it is really rewarding when people get better and it's one less thing that they have to think about in their endo journey. Well, Ruth, in this past, you know, half an hour chat, I've actually learned so much. I'm going to go and find an O-nut. I'm going to book in to go and see my pelvic physio, which I keep putting off and to start some, you know, to put some, some, um, plans into place so that in the future I'm not going to be, you know, going through the anxiety that sometimes I do when it comes to getting physical. Absolutely. It's just, it's one thing you don't need. You've got enough stuff going on. You don't need that extra bit. So if we can manage that, that's, that's great. Get out there and enjoy it, guys. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Ruth, thank you so much. Pleasure, Ellie. Thanks for having me. So much amazing information in that episode with pelvic physio and clinical advisor for Endometriosis Australia, the wonderful Ruth Schubert. Now, Ruth also wanted to mention that it's not just pelvic physios that will help you when it comes to pain and getting intimate with endometriosis, but another really important tool is taking care of your mental health to get a conversation going with your psychologist, a counsellor, reach out and know that you don't need to suffer in silence. Of course, you can read more of her blogs and see a whole bunch of other experts talking all things endo and see our endo warriors as well, endometriosisaustralia.org. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We look forward to bringing you more episodes. So make sure you subscribe, you rate, you give it five stars, leave a comment because that way you let other endo warriors know that this podcast exists. Cannot wait to bring you more in the future. Thank you so much for listening. I'll chat to you soon. Stay safe.